Okay, do it again. Do it again. <laughs> lemon face, lion face, lemon face, lion face. <laughs> I'm ready. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay, well we were we were just testing the mic, but I might have to keep that. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> What's up, everybody? This is Sarah, your host of Talk to the Hand podcast, a podcast about the 90s, everything you love about the 90s, and more. This week, I have a very special guest on. I think last week, actually, because I recorded it so much earlier, I actually introduced him as a now outdated title as my fiance because we just got married last Tuesday. This is my husband, Eric. What's up? Oh my. <laughs> You're lucky we've already gotten married. Yep, I know. It's too late now. Mm, yep. I have to tolerate it. So before we get into the topic, I, like every week before, just want to give you a few reminders. Please make sure you vote. Vote all the way down the ballot. The the lower uh, state and local elections are just as important as the presidential election right now. We need to work together. Vote early if you can and research your official drop boxes because in California, it came out last week that there are some um, illegitimate ones, illegal ones. So Make sure you do your research, Google everything, make sure you're going to the polling place at the right time, get there early, pack a lunch if you're doing that in person. And if you are doing it in person, please remember to wear a mask and be safe, socially distance. We are still in the middle of a pandemic. Thank you very much. And please just remember, this is the most important election of our lives, 90s kids and 90s kids at heart. We have an obligation to vote. We have an obligation to uplift people and communities who have for so long been neglected or actively harmed. So please do it. Vote all the way. Like I said, vote all the way down the ballot. Check your state and local elections. Check the polling location and hours. Just make sure you are very well prepared because every single vote counts. Okay. So like I said, this week, my guest is my husband, Eric. We just got married on Tuesday. Hi, husband, Eric. Aloha, everyone. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. What are we talking about today? Uh, today we are talking about one of uh, my favorite topics, and you know, also growing up in the '90s, uh, '90s teen horror movies. Ooh! And honestly, I think Eric and I have spent a significant amount of time watching all of these in the last week. Yeah, pretty about much. The last ten days or so. Yeah, yeah. A little horror binge. Well, horror bench, perfect time of year for it. So we used a few sources here. I'm going to name them, and I'm also going to link them because um, they are, most of them, just like with Goosebumps, are lists of the um, movies that we're going to be referencing here. And if you're looking for a specific, um, you know, watch list for Halloween or just because you need a good dose of millennium era spooky stories we will link all of these in the show notes so the ones i used the most was um i used 
just actually a couple IMDb lists. I used a screen rant from an uh, article from July 2017, 16 best 90s teen horror films ranked. Um, and then actually, Vulture.com um, released a guide to rewatching millennium era horror movies uh, a few weeks ago on October 1st. So that was, so the nostalgia is still very much alive. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, right now, kids like us, we definitely want to rewatch those old horror movies we grew up with. And we're all I stuck mean, at home, too. Yeah, we're all stuck at home. That nostalgia is hard, you know, all the 90s stuff coming back. And why not rewatch the old horror slashers? Yeah, I mean, the world is scary enough, you know? Let's just detach ourselves for a little bit more. Okay, so we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about the um, a few of the big heavy hitters of the 90s. Most of these all came out in the late 90s. Uh, actually, all of them came out in the late 90s. And we're going to talk about a few heavy hitters. We're going to talk about some other notable honorable mentions. And then we'll talk about kind of the legacy and the post-90s slasher wave, this second wave of slasher movies um, and how it kind of morphed. So, if you were to pick the number one, number not just the number one teen horror movie from the 90s, Eric, what would you pick? I'd have to go with Scream. Yeah. I mean, that was just, you know, for me, I mean, that stands out as just the biggest 90s slasher It event. is the motherfucking teen horror catalyst of the <laughs> 90s. <laughs> Came out in 96. It was the first one. Yeah. Yeah, the first of uh, four so far. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have, uh, you know, horror master Wes Craven, you know, coming again. He directed a bunch of our, you know, favorite uh, 80s horror movies. And he came in again with this all-star 90s cast of uh, just just people that were up and coming. I mean, they weren't big names yet, but this was kind of what started to put them on the map. Yeah. And also the writer was Kevin Williamson. He wrote like a gazillion teen slasher horror movies in the 90s. This was just one of them. This was just one of the, one of several. Like he wrote, he, okay, we'll get into that later. Um, so yeah, you had like, holy shit, you had like the biggest all-star cast. You had Nev Campbell, you had Drew Barrymore, you had Ski Ulrich, who was like the teen heartthrob. Yeah, I at the mean, time. He, he was, uh, you know, Matthew Lillard, even uh, before his Scooby Doo days, <laughs> Courtney Cox, Rose McGowan, Jamie Kennedy, Jamie of all Kennedy. people. Like, come on, Jamie Kennedy, really? Yeah. Uh, and then David Arquette, yeah. believe it or not. Yeah. And it's really, it's impossible to really overstate how much of an impact that Scream had on the horror genre because it really did just start like this second wave of of slasher movies. Yeah, I mean, after the 80s, you know, we had the the Freddies, the Jasons, the Michael Myers, you know, all those, just the monsters, but the, the franchises were almost dead in the water at that point. People needed needed something else. So Scream was a reinvention of the horror genre and its, you know, own meta take on, you know, even just in the movies, Jamie Kennedy commenting on, what to do in a horror movie based off of the 80s horror movies that they watched in the movie. I feel like all of them had that. Like even even Halloween H20, which we'll also get to, like they all have this like very self-aware 
like, we know that this is crazy and silly, but we're going to just go with it anyway. Yeah, <laughs> just I, like bear with us, people. Yeah, I, th- I think there there was, you know, a unique suspension of disbelief where, you know, people were so used to, you know, the the slasher movies of, of days before. And, you know, we were living in a different time. You know, we had all of this technology now. I mean, it's 1996. It's 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 the mid 90s. And we have everybody's got phones in their houses. I mean, everybody had those for a while. But I mean, even just with. TV and radio and everything that was going on, the world was a different place in the 90s versus the 70s when the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was going on. I mean, and these, you know, screams started a unique take on the genre after that. And there was a really long dry spell, too, because there wasn't really much that came out before, like in between that first and now what this kind of represents that second wave of slasher movies there was really wasn't that much that came out there's like sci-fi but nothing nothing like this nothing i, I think there's a lot of thriller type yeah, things thriller a is a good like word for it. psychological dramas you know i think that's one thing that maybe we as a society fear more now is like this psychological threat versus you know this you know just mass serial killer going around with a knife i mean it kind of sounds a little outdated and kind of ridiculous yeah. i mean yeah well, Scream introduced a generation of teens who had also seen, like, they actually, you know, just like Eric said, they 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 knew that this was kind of a trope, that this was like a horror trope. So Scream introduced these teens who had all seen these movies um, kind of for shits and gigs over the years, but they actually used their knowledge to trick the killer or survive. Um, and, like, in Scream... Particularly, the story follows Nev Campbell's Sydney Prescott, who is mourning the murder of her mother. And she's also kind of doing some like kind of uh, low key grassroots detective work herself and um, just kind of using the knowledge of that she had of like serial killers and, and, you know, horror movies to survive. And then she becomes a target of this killer who um, has been killing high school students in town. So it's, it's, it's actually got some comedy in it, though. It sounds really dark. and It is dark. It is it is gory and dark, but it does have it does have some comedy. Like there's a little comedy twist to it. It's it's very silly. I mean, you know, even I guess my favorite trope that they kind of subvert in that movie is, you know, you see things like the Michael Myers and the Freddy Kruegers and the Jason Voorhees. And they're these very empowering figures that you know can't really be knocked down or whatever but then you have Ghostface in the scream movie that gets knocked over by you know somebody swinging a door into them i mean it's it's so yeah, silly yeah. but it's it's kind of how it would really happen i mean yeah. like they're not going off this whole supernatural pretext of these killers it was just a guy in a mask. And of course, I mean, you swing a door the right way. Some guy is going to fall down. I mean, it was silly. I mean, some of it makes you laugh, but you know, that's kind of how it would play out in the real world. And I think that was kind of one of the most endearing things about Scream is that they were so earnest in trying to present it in the modern world of people that grew up watching those horror movies. Totally. Totally. And it like embraced, like you, like kind of like what you're saying, it embraced those those kind of tropes like it dodged them and also embraced embraced them as well um and also just want to put this out there like we said there are going to be some you know little minor spoilers here um has one of the all-time greatest opening scenes in the history of horror 
Yeah. I mean, you know, it starts out with just, you know, a casual phone call. You know, it was could have been any of us in the 90s that just on a, you know, any night or whatever. While you're, you're making pop- popcorn. Yeah, you're making your Jiffy Pop on the stove, <laughs> home alone or whatever. I mean, any one of us could have picked up the phone to a wrong number. And, yeah. you know, that that was what made it so terrifying is, you know, maybe kids these days wouldn't understand it with, with their iPhones and caller IDs and all that. But if you grew up in the 90s, that was a very real possibility that yeah. you could get a random phone call from some weirdo. I mean, yeah. that w- that was a unique fear at that time. Totally. Totally. And like, you know, how many people really did do Star 69? You'd be too scared to do Star 69. They'd be scared like crazy getting those phone calls. Yeah. I mean, not, not, not to mention, I just want to say one thing about the opening scene. At that point in time in 1996, Drew Barrymore was she was eight. she was becoming a very hot commodity in in Hollywood. So the fact that they cast her to be in the opening scene of this movie just to spoiler alert immediately kill her yeah. was a massive thing. Like that that, that was it's a so big, in context. That was a big yeah. thing for for a star to do is to to take this movie role just to be killed immediately. Yeah. I mean that that was awesome. Yeah. I really liked two characters. Um, I really liked David Arquette's calming presence. He, he had that very calming presence. And it wasn't because he was law enforcement or anything. It was more just he had this, like, big brother. And he was the big brother, but he had this, like, very calming presence. And I really loved Courtney Cox's bad bitch character. She was just, like, she was, she was very in-your-face, very unapologetic, at times very rude. But she also just, like... She did what she had to do to get ahead, and I really liked that. I liked her hair, too. She had great hair in that great movie. Great hair. Actually, yeah. Actually, I think I liked her hair more in Scream 2. Speaking of Scream 2, um, Scream 2 came out in 1997. That was another iconic opening scene with Jada Pinkett Smith's character. Um, she, you know, the same way she she's going to see the Ghostface movie, what is it called? Stab or something? Stab. Uh, yeah. Again, like how, how meta is yeah. that? That even even in the movie, they knew that for the sequel, they had to make a movie about it. Yeah, because, a movie like, about the movie. It's a movie <laughs> about the movie. About the, like, it, it's just there's there's so many layers there that it just became so fun. Like even the people in the universe thought of it as a joke, but it, it's screamception. Oh <laughs> he loves me. It's too late to divorce me. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Um, And Scream 2 also introduced um, some new actors and characters that were also staples of 90s horror. Jerry O'Connell, Laurie Metcalf, Josh Jackson, Rebecca Gayhart, Portia de Rossi, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Heather Graham, even Tori Spelling made a cameo. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Scream 2 also had a bigger body count, and it really doubles down on that meta humor, as Eric was saying, including, like we've talked about before, a scene where college students in a film seminar discuss the merits of sequels. Not just horror movies, but sequels. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I mean, they they pulled out all the stops yeah. on, on Scream, making it as, as you know, like I said, as, as meta as they could. We've all watched you know, dozens of horror movies and we've all thought, don't go in there, don't, don't go, go in there, there. Don't, like, turn around, don't go upstairs, don't do why would you, you run know, upstairs? Like, and that's what the Scream movies were yeah, about, that, is that they is. have the characters literally saying that stuff, calling it out. Well, Jada, in the beginning. Exactly, yeah. She's like, don't do that, girl, come on, like, don't go there. Yeah, I mean, just, 
just immediately just letting you know that they know that something is afoot. And and that was fun. So a lot of people think that Scream 2 is better than the original. What do you think? I think the original is better. Yeah, I got to say Scream 1. Not, not because I want to be that guy that's like, oh, the original is always better. But I think... You know, Scream 2 definitely capitalized on, like, the madness that was Scream 1. And I think they did a really good job continuing that. But, I mean, you have to have you have to have that first layer there. Yeah. I mean, that one it really had so just, much heart. It, it, it set the bar for what, what really the next wave of slasher movies yeah. would and could be. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I understand when people say Scream 2 is better just because it is bigger budget, bigger, you know, everything. But speaking of budget— um, the original Scream made $173 million at the box office against a $14 million budget. That's insane. $14 million. And they had Drew Barrymore, like you said. They probably spent most of that 12, on 12 million Barrymore. of that was to Drew Barrymore. Well, I mean, they didn't spend that much of it on the costume. Let's be no, familiar, they guys. really like, didn't. That was a cheap But that's costume. what we love about the costume. And that's one of the things. It's I mean, so it, cool. It's well, a simple. I, I think, again, that kind of harkens back to, you know, the, the old slasher movies yeah. where, I mean. The what, jumpsuit and the mask. What was Michael Myers' mask? Yeah. That was a. That was a white uh, mask. Like a scary white mask. It was a William Shatner mask. That's what it was. It was a, a William Shatner Shatner mask that they oh, bought from a I costume no shop idea. and painted it white. And that was the Michael Myers mask. So, I had so, no idea. Yeah, the Scream mask being just this generic So it really mill, was like, a, like a knockoff. Yeah. Of Mike of Michael Myers. Exactly. Like, totally. You know, I mean, the, the, the black death robe, you know, being, yeah. you know, an extension of the blue jumpsuit, the navy blue yeah. jumpsuit, and yeah. the white, generic white mask, yeah. and the stoic Killer. Yeah. Well, Wes Craven actually had to tone down the original cut of Scream to get an R-rated, an R rating. Um, and like Eric said, there's four Scream movies. So far. So far. Um, and the original Scream was really, really well received by critics and audiences. And mostly because it was refreshing to watch something so self-aware. So like we've been saying, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, you know what you are. You know what you want us to think you are. We're here with you. Yeah. Uh, We're all in this. So I, I actually just, you know, one more thing about uh, the Scream franchise is I was reading, I believe it was on uh, IMDb, but the original, one of the original working titles for the Scream movie was Scary Movie. Oh, uh, yeah, that was actually one of their their working titles. And, you That's know, so just, you know, nowadays, <laughs> you know, going back and trying to watch the Scream movies, it's hard I, I got to say, it, it's hard to watch mm -hmm. them after watching Scary Movie yeah. and, and that whole franchise because it made such a joke out of it that, like, you almost have to just pretend you didn't see yeah. those. Yeah, no, that's totally true. And watch the Scream movies again that's and totally just take true. them in as what they were before the Scary Movie franchise Yeah, happened. take, like, like, the Men in Black eraser thing, memory eraser thing, and just pretend you never saw Scary Movie. Exactly. <laughs> but then after you watch the Scream movies, go watch Scary Movie because it's hilarious. <laughs> um, all right. So that was Scream. Then Scream 2. Okay. So that's the most iconic. We're, now we're going to move on to the second, in my opinion, and most opinions online, most iconic series of slasher horror movies in the 90s. I know what you did last summer. And I still know. What you did last summer. <laughs> so that one was uh, came out in 97. So uh, Scream was 96. Scream 2 was 97. Yeah. And so was I Know What You Did Last Summer. 
I Know What You Did Last Summer was also written by Kevin Williamson, the same writer from Scream. Um, he just added, so basically it was a novel, young adult revenge novel that came out in 1973. And Kevin Williamson just took that story and added this whole candid fisherman um, and then basically cashed in on Scream's success. So this one also had really big names. I mean, this really made these four some big names. Yeah, I mean, it was like a big, really, really big, big stepping stone big for some one. of these characters. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> the main star of that movie, the beloved Jennifer Love Hewitt, Sarah Michelle Gellar. I mean, you know, the two of them, powerhouses of the late 90s there with Freddie Prince Jr., Ryan Felipe, and even Anne Heche. I yeah. mean, these are some big, big names, names right there yeah. that, were, that were in this movie. I mean, you couldn't get them Unless it was 1997. Totally, totally. And it's about, so it's about four teens who are stalked by a killer. Um, and this, so they are at a party. Um, Ryan Felipe's character, you know, he drives this super fancy car. He has a little bit too much to drink. So they get in the car. Uh, Freddie Prince Jr. character drives them. He's going to drive them home. And um, as they are driving home, some shenanigans occur because of this drunk Ryan Felipe. And they end up basically getting into a car accident that kills a man and they do this like elaborate cover-up and the killer basically stalks them letting them know that um, he knows what they did last summer. And one of the things that I think is the strength of this movie is that it's just kind of a simple, there's everything in it is just kind of simple like all the way down to the like the way that the guys that the killer stalks them is he just gives them these little like paper notes that say I know what you did last summer. Think about how terrifying that would be. I mean like We've all probably, so less is more. totally, I mean, we, we, we've all probably done, I don't know, maybe we, we've done something in the past where we don't feel that great about it. I'm not saying we've ever had like this horror not movie thing scope. going on, like, <laughs> not, not to, to the scope. scope, but I mean, come on, like you did something and if somebody slides you a note one day of like, I know what you did last summer, like, <laughs> it'd be terrifying, like, I'm sorry, like, I would be scared. Well, and they all like, felt bad except for Ryan Felipe. Well, he was drunk. Of course he didn't feel bad. Yeah, he just but, felt drunk. Yeah, but they were, and, and he was just, he was an asshole. But I don't know. I thought that it wasn't super scary. At least the scary parts really came in like the last half of the movie. And it's just kind of a lot of buildup. I think there's a lot of Build. I think where, where it really kind of turns around is when, like, Helen, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar's character, is on the parade. Um, you know, that's it's really halfway through the movie where it starts getting more interesting. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, it, it is a little bit different than Scream, obviously, because, you know, Scream has, you know, the, the killer going around just, you know, stabbing people left and right or whatever. But uh, the, the body count on I Know What You Did Last Summer is, is very low. It's low. It, it, it feels a lot more intimate. And, you know, like, like you were just saying, you know, like the first half of the movie almost feels like more of a psychological thriller yeah. than a slasher thriller, you know? I mean, it's not Jason Voorhees, it's not Freddy Krueger, it's these kids that did something wrong and the person they wronged is stalking them, which would be terrifying. Yeah. And of course, then he starts killing them and, you know, yep. hardy har har. Yep. Well, that so th so I know what you did last summer. The '90s fashion here was on point. Um, such 
like little crop camis and little cardigans. And yeah, it was just on point. So that's for the loan for the 90s fashion. I love that movie. Um, it was number one at the U.S. box office for three straight weeks. And it made stars out of all four of the leads. Um, the follow up was uh, I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. That came out in 1998. And that was basically the same plot <laughs> with the two uh, surviving teens and even more murder and mayhem. And this time it was in the Bahamas after um, Carla, played by Brandy, wins a trip to the Bahamas for four. So it's like, it's kind of, it's it's definitely got this Friday the 13th style more so than the first one. And kind of, it was, it, it just was a little bit like, you know, took up the, um, the craziness of the first one and just amped it up a little bit. Like uh, Scream 2 said, you know, just the year before that the sequel always does it bigger, yeah. higher budget, yep. higher body count. Yep. And that's bloodier. bloodier. I mean, that's exactly the More formula graphic. that all of these yeah. movies yeah. like really still follow. I mean, that's just yep. what they do. I mean, look at the Saw franchise. Yeah, seriously. Oh, God. Woof. Woof. Um, so, so okay, so that's I Know What You Did Last Summer. Um, so we have a couple more big ones to go through. The next one I'm going to bring up is Idle Hands, which <laughs> is oh such a good one. That one was 1999. Eric, why don't you talk about Idle Hands and give us a little rundown of what this what we're looking at here. So first off, I like to think that I, I've watched a lot of horror movies and stuff like that in, in, in my day. <laughs> or whatever you know i i, really? I love you them. yeah me whatever <laughs> for some reason i still can't believe this i had never seen idle hands until until recently when when sarah put it on and oh my oh, oh my goodness like it's a horror comedy movie it's not exactly a horror movie but, it but is. it's not exactly a comedy <laughs> but anyways I mean, we're, we're, we're talking, like, we, we've got 1999. I mean, this is, you know, right before the turn of the century and starring Devin Sawa, one of the, the, the greatest, you know, actors of the 90s. I mean, just just think about his face. You've seen him in so many different Casper. things. Casper. Casper for <laughs> one. Um, then you have Seth Green. I also mean, a 90s staple. A 90s staple. I mean, also Chris Griffin on Family Guy. Scott I Evil. Mean, like, Scott Evil. I mean, y y you still know Seth Green. Jessica Alba. I yeah. mean, this was the beginning of her career. And just, you know, a few years later, she would be one of the biggest names ever. Yeah. And then also you have Vivica A. Fox. Yeah. I mean, this was, this was, again, quintessential pinnacle 90s casting. Like, yeah. this was, was the top of it. And I mean, you know, like we said, it's, it's, it's a perfect mashup of the horror, the horror comedy Friday night zone out movie. It's got that very campy, silly kind of stoner comedy vibe that you would see in things like almost kind of like the attitudes of Bill and Ted. Yeah, even, it is some very of those Bill characters. and Ted, yeah. It's like Bill and Ted, if they had another friend that just, it's just kind of happened to be goofy. Devin Sawa. Yeah, they're just kind of like, goofy. Yeah, it's goofy, it's silly, it's it's self-aware, it's, it's fun, it's irreverent, but it's also really a horror movie because this guy's hands go crazy and he starts <laughs> killing everybody. But the funny I mean, thing is he, so it's about a slacker named Anton and he's like, they, they kind of make him out to be like this big burnout. And the, the whole, the whole thing about how the story unfolds and how like the, the villain, which is his hands unfold is that he's so stoned that it takes him a few days to realize his parents have been murdered and even longer to detect that it was his own demon possessed hands that did the killing. 
<laughs> and then he realizes what's going on, but not before he accidentally killed his burnout buddies, Seth Green and Eldon Henson. Yeah, I mean, Eldon Henson, I just got to mention him real quick. He's he, in a couple other things. He was one of the Bash brothers on the Mighty Ducks. Okay, yeah, that's, he was, he's got a 90s. You, you would know genre, him for yeah. sure from that. But then also most recently, he was also on the Netflix uh, Daredevil show. He was funny in Idle Hands. Oh, he they was. They both were. Oh, they're they absolutely were, hilarious just watch, If that. you just want to watch it just for some funny slapstick humor, just Seth Green and Eldon Hansen um, as the two burnout buddies are hilarious. I mean, when, so, they're so funny. So when we were watching that movie, I couldn't help but think that it felt like some weird mix between the the Evil Dead franchise uh-huh. and Dude Where's My Car. Oh, totally. It was almost oh, totally like, Dude, Where's, Dude my Where's My Murderer's Hand. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, that, Did that's we all just I was come thinking. up with like, the name of the episode? <laughs> I don't know, but I mean, it was... <laughs> Um, yeah, it's it's very dude. Where's my car? Um, and I think that it's actually a smarter movie than people really give it credit for. I think I think you know it's silly and stupid, but um, also I've never seen an American uh, American Werewolf in London, but I know that that the whole killing his friends to see them return as his like undead advisors is a nod to that. One one of the the most. 90s things about about idle hands. I mean, let's let's take a little sidebar here. Yeah. Think about 90s punk rock for a second. That'll be a whole series. A that'll whole, be a series. Yeah, that, that'll be many, many episodes of podcasts. But anyways, when you think about 90s punk rock, you know, um, one of the biggest bands that you know I like to think of is the offspring and especially that era, the late 90s. The late 90s offspring and high school prom. In the movie, climax of the movie, what band is playing? But none other than fucking offspring. The offspring. Dexter Holland standing up on stage with his like spiky blonde hair. Wearing an AFI t-shirt. Oh my god, I forgot about that part. Like, I mean how <laughs> That is so late oh 90s punk rock, yeah. it's not even funny. <laughs> Um, so that's Anywho. Idle Hands. <laughs> okay, so we're not going to go too far um, from Idle Hands. We're going to go one step away to Final Destination, another Devin Sawa movie. This one was actually put out in the, the first one was put out in 2000, but I am including it because it barely passes for the 90s, but it feels very 90s. And there's five movies in this collection starting in 2000. And I'm going to go ahead and give it the pass as being a 90s movie because although it came out in 2000, you know it was filmed oh, in yeah. 1999. Oh, totally. So, totally. you know what? I'll very, take it's it. pre 9-11. Pre-9-11. Like, it, there, it's actually very, that's an interesting, like, archival historical perspective looking at it as a pre-9-11 thing, especially at the beginning, because... High school student Devin Sawa boards an airplane to fly to Paris with his classmates. And before takeoff, he has a premonition that the airplane will explode midair and kill everyone on board. Um, So then he wakes up from this premonition. Things start to play out that played in his premonition, most notably... The lock on the tray table. Yeah, I was wondering if you're going to catch that one. I that, was wondering what yeah. to call it, but yeah, he he, yeah. he pulls the, he he wakes up the premonition and immediately goes over to the seat, checks the the tray table lock, and immediately comes off and he snaps. He, yeah, he, he snaps. flips because flips he realizes up. that his premonition is coming true. And step by step. Yeah, step by step. Another great movie or show from the nineties. <laughs> uh, he realizes that, freaks out, just like probably the rest of us would, and tries to get off the plane and mm-hmm. you know he he gets off the plane a couple of his friends you know uh end up leaving with him for for various reasons uh people leave with him 
and then they're sitting there in the lobby by the the gate for for the airplane and the airplane explodes out the window and the few survivors that are left just flip out and they look at Devin Sawa wondering if he just went full Casper and you know <laughs> saved them from the afterlife. I mean it's it's interesting. Well, so Actually, so where the idea came from on the script is actually a really sad story. Um, it actually happened on a flight, TWA 800, exploded in 1996, 12 minutes after takeoff. Um, and it included 16 students and five adults from a high school. Uh, also, I, I just want to throw out there that uh, that, that story there, true, uh, too, is also it also is a true story. You know, like she said, um, but it was originally developed as being an episode for the X files. I didn't they, know that. They, yeah, they, they developed, uh, you know, the the story off of that, that true story uh, as an episode for the X-Files. And they ended up uh, some people, whoever, I don't I don't know who, obviously, but they, they liked it enough that they decided to uh, make it a full blown movie. Wow. Just wanted to throw that out there, you know, that it actually is linked to the X-Files, which I always thought was was fascinating. That I mean, that makes a lot of sense. It does. I mean, it, you know, the whole thing plays premonition, out. Premonition, yeah. yeah the, the whole premonition of death and then trying to figure out, you know, death design and how well, it's also, coming for everybody. How death in Final Destination is in the form of like a liquid. So like, you know, when she's cooking or, you know, whatever they're doing, there's like kind of a liquid that comes in and or like the bath where like the first friend dies. I mean, that that's a very kind of sci fi horror movie type of a angle. Well, that, that's really interesting. I've, I've actually never, never thought about that before is that, you know, you, using death, I didn't articulate that death, very well, uh, whatever, but, but, but using the, you know, cognizance of, of death as being a liquid, you know, I, I never thought about that. I, I, I did know that, you know, now that you think about it, that there was a liquid that was always present yeah. and kind of a catalyst in some of those deaths. Yeah, no, and I never, I never thought about that before. I mean, I, I know in the movies, they, they show death as kind of being like a cool air, kind of like this presence that kind of like comes in through Menace, the window, yeah. I guess, but it kind of does manifest as definitely a lot of liquid involved in those It's kind deaths. of Stephen King-like. Very Stephen this King-like. This whole, I feel like that movie is actually very Stephen King-like. Interesting. So Final Destination, uh, like Eric said, there are five movies in that collection. Again, Devin Sawa, one of our favorites from the 90s. Yeah. So the next one, the last one we're going to get into actual details um, is Halloween H2O. That one was in made in 1998, again, during that like height of teen slasher movies of the 90s. So I, I think it's funny that, you know, we, we we started this podcast, you know, talking about Scream being kind of like that stand in for, you know, the modern era of, mm-hmm. you know, this 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 90s era of slasher movies or whatever, kind of trying to get away from the the Freddy Kruegers uh-huh. and the Jason Voorhees and the da, 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 the Michael Myers that we talked about. But here we are circling the whole thing back to Halloween H2O, 1998. Michael Myers is back. I mean, this was 20 years after mm-hmm. the first one. And you, you can't help but think that Halloween decided to have this renaissance in 1998 after the success of all oh, these other totally. horror movies. I mean, totally. it, it kind of brought that back. I mean, even a few years later, they did a reboot of uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street with Freddy Krueger and Jackie Earl Haley. Um, so, I mean, this was 
you know, clearly a reaction to Scream, Scream 2, and even in the the background of one of the scenes in, in, in that franchise, you know, it shows how wildly fast these movies came out after the trend started again with Scream. I mean, there, it was so meta that they just... They had Scream 2 in the... They had Sarah Michelle Gellar in Scream 2 in the background playing on one of the TVs in one of the dorm rooms. Yeah, yeah. It I was mean, just like... They knew that they're like, yep, this is why we're doing it. <laughs> yeah. This I, is why we're doing it, guys. It was such a clear meta callback again. I mean, I think that was like one of the most, the the, the biggest themes of those 90s, you know, slasher movies was trying to be meta and kind of just trying to figure out how those stories really fit in the modern world, you know? Well, so let's um, tell everyone what it's about. So it stars Jamie Lee Curtis, Michelle Williams, again. Yeah, she's back in her role as Laurie Strode. Uh, and it also is introducing Josh, Josh Hartnett. Hartnett. Yeah, that was his first like, one. Yeah, that's what they say in the Chris. It's introducing, introducing Josh that, yeah. Hartnett. Like, we all remember him. Yeah. You know, as 90s kids, we remember him being very big and stuff, but I didn't remember that. Yeah. He was introduced was one. in Halloween. Yeah. Michelle awesome. Williams from Dawson's Creek, a lot of Dawson's Creek, uh, and a lot of those like soapy teen actors are also did crossover in these teen horror movies as well. Um, LL Cool J's in that one. I love his character in this one. Um, so we have Laurie Strode back in her role. Um, that's Jamie Lee Curtis. She's now the dean of a uh, private school in Northern California, which has like the coolest like guard gate ever. It's like covered in vines and it just looks super spooky. Um, it's all kind of like, like cloud covered. So it's just all cozy and spooky. So she has, so it's in Arcata. It, probably. <laughs> so she has to battle. She has to battle her brother one last time um, as life of her own son hangs in the balance. So he's now one of the targets of Mike Myers. Yeah, it is, uh, you know, like we said, you know, it's Halloween H2O, so it's 20 years later, Jimmy Lee Curtis. Such an unforgivable uh, title I've seen a lot of people say. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little rough. That's it's, rough. It's, it's hard. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it kind of makes sense. You know, it's 20 years after yeah. the original story, Lori Strode, uh, Jimmy Lee Curtis, she's got her own son now. And this one ignored every film that happened after two. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was just one. I was like, no, three didn't even happen. <laughs> let's just let's just throw this out there. The Halloween franchise's timeline is all over the map. I mean, they retcon movies left and right. Just whenever they want to put out a new movie, they're like, we're Whatever. just going to pretend these movies. We're didn't just going to throw everything and, in the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, a knife in the wall with a William Shatner mask always sticks in my book. You know, I'll <laughs> always watch a new Halloween movie. Yeah, um, but the funny thing is, like, the kind of joke in the horror community is that Halloween 3 never happened. I don't know what you're talking Doesn't about. Doesn't exist. <laughs> what? What? What didn't happen? <laughs> Oh, uh, anyway, so yeah, it was a really good Halloween sequel rooted in tradition. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, the actress's mom, horror legend Janet Lee, also gives a cameo. Every scene with Jamie Lee Curtis is great. Every single one. She's such a fantastic actor. Well, it's it's, it's Jamie Lee Curtis, and you you got to think too. I mean, you know, the the Halloween franchise is really her franchise at this point. Oh, it is. It is her. She's been the most consistent thread in those movies and each, each one that she does, you know, I mean, she, she wasn't in all of them, you know, we'll, we'll give her that because that's why Halloween three never happened. Um, what, uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is just, she, she holds those movies together. I mean, she's a very powerful woman. I mean, she's almost like, if you had Ripley, Sigourney Weaver from the Alien movies in a teen slasher movie, it would be Jamie oh, Lee yeah. Curtis 
in Halloween. Totally. That would be it. Yep. I wear, I read a review about it that I think summed up Halloween H2O very, very um, succinctly and in a way that made me want to watch it again. And um, this particular author said it has an old fashioned approach to scares, less interest in outsmarting its audience than lining up the pieces and knocking them down with a super sharp kitchen knife. Yikes. So good, right? That's a good like encapsulation of Halloween H2O. Ouch. Yeah. I mean, that those were very methodical stabbings in that movie. Yeah, it was just it was good. That was it, a it, good movie. It, it was, was per, I thought the pacing was good. I loved it. Yeah, it was, it was almost like you could. Look I loved at, you it. Know, I highly recommend it. You could almost kind of look at, you know, some of, you know, the the 80s, 70s and 80s slasher movies as, you know, each one of their stabs and machetes and kitchen knives and finger knives. Those were all kind of almost reckless in a way. It was a, this weird reckless abandon just slaughtering the teenagers yeah. because it was a slasher movie. But Halloween H2O felt personal. It did. It, it did. really felt personal. Oh, that was Jamie Lee Curtis. And that, again, I feel like that was yeah, her. That could have been Jamie Lee she Curtis. She was just, that good. Just bringing it in. And, yeah. you know, every every motion of the knife from Michael Myers or whatever, like felt intentional. It yeah. felt deliberate. Every it felt like part it had of it. That was such so a good much one. conviction to it. You know, I love Scream and I love the original Scream, but out of all these movies, I think this is my favorite one. I think this is the best one. Out of all of them, just in terms of quality, in terms of bang for your buck, in terms of, in terms of your time that you're going to spend, um, in terms of the quintessential Halloween scary movie that you watch with your friends um, at a sleepover or even just now. Like if you want a spooky, I think Halloween H2 out of all the movies I'm gonna, we're talking about tonight, I think I would say this is the best 10 out of 10 one. I think I, I, I think that's definitely true that, you know, that one definitely tops the list of these ones that, that, that we've talked about tonight. I mean, I think, you know, like I said before, it's hard to watch the Scream franchise without the lens of the scary movie franchise. Yeah. So it's hard to take yeah. those seriously, whereas, totally. you know, Halloween, you can still kind of take that franchise a lot more seriously, uh, you know, even. Um, with Final Destination, you know, it's 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 kind of hard to take that seriously. Yeah. It's become kind you of can, silly I think now. you're right. You can take um, Halloween seriously on a different level. I think Halloween is always one of those movies that you can kind of take seriously because, you know, it's, it's rooted very much in just this really, I don't want to say normal, but very tragic kind art. of... There's heart behind it. Yeah, there, there's art. heart behind it. It's, it was such... There, there's nothing supernatural about that story. It's just and silly. Um, there's nothing silly. About yeah, there's it nothing silly about it, and they took it seriously. Yeah, yeah. The the actors and the filmmakers definitely took it seriously, and I, I I think I think that shows. I mean, I think the Halloween franchise kind of takes itself the most seriously. Out I think of, so out too. Of the horror franchises. Yeah. So if you're looking for something, if you're like, oh, I really want to watch like a serious horror movie and not a silly one, that's one too. That's yeah. another thing we're saying. Watch another, yeah, watch it. Just watch it. So, um, so wrapping up our, that was our top, you know, our top four or five, however many there were. There are other notable ones that come up in multiple lists. Uh, Disturbing Behavior with James Marsden, Katie Holmes, 1998. Wow. I, I just got to say again, those are some, these those are, became these are, big names. Yeah, these are big names. Dead Man's Curve also had Matthew Lillard. That one in 1998, that one where he's also the bad guy, he and his spoiler roommate. Alert. Yeah. So there's a spoiler alert here. He and his, it's not really a split, it's all about this but they um conspire to kill their third roommate um so that they can cash in on a rule that allows them to get automatic straight a's if they're in bereavement 
So the next one is teaching Mrs. Tingle. That one is Helen Mirren as Ms. Mrs. Tingle before she became like, you know, the queen and, you know, Oscar nominated house on that was 1999 house on haunted Hill. 1999 was a remake. Carrie Two, the rage was a big one. 1999. Um, a couple of other big ones, Urban Legend, which we just watched the other day. I didn't actually like Urban Legend that much. That one's 98. It just wasn't clever enough to kind of stand on its own identity as it on on its own. It just kind of yeah. falls into that category. Because it was the only just, one, right? There was no more after that. Maybe not that it just I know didn't of. have like I mean, yeah, exactly. They not, didn't not, have the oomph behind it. You, know, you watch it, watch it anyway. I mean, it's it's got some good stuff in it. I mean, it, it, it's you know, it, it's fun or whatever. I mean, it actually brings up <sighs> famous urban legends. You've you've heard like stolen kidneys, surgically stolen kidneys. You know, bloody message on the wall, the sound on the car roof. Um, so it's just it's, it's, got, it's it, another it play, Friday night it, movie. Yeah, it plays with a lot of those fun tropes. And again, I mean, if if anything. If anything, watch it for the cast. I mean, you've got, this is again, 1998. You've got Jared Leto, Tara Reid, Rebecca Gayhart, again, Joshua Jackson, again. Yeah, 90s I mean, teen soap actors too. This was this was the best. I mean, you know, watch it for the cast alone. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. The next one we have is The Faculty. This one, Eric and I actually, we watched all the ones we've talked about so far. We actually didn't watch this one. Um, Recently. We've recent, watched it we've many watched times. It. But this one also has Josh Hartnett in it. This one also has Elijah Elijah Wood, uh, John Stewart, Usher, Selma Hayek, uh, Jordana Brewster. This one is kind of a, this one also was written by Kevin Williamson. This one is uh, like an alien invasion film. Um, I've heard it compared. So it's about, it's got a balanced cast of like teen heartthrobs and the cool kids. And then like the cool adults, like the good adults who are smart and wise. And I've heard it, um, described as Breakfast Club meets Invasion of the Body Snatchers with a good dose of the thing. Oh my God, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Is like you know, as I'm <laughs> thinking about the faculty, I mean, it is definitely Invasion of the Body Snatchers and Breakfast Club and Breakfast Club. I mean, because exactly, <laughs> and the thing and, and the thing. I mean that that. Oh wow! Yeah, right. That's a really good summary. And and the thing about about that is um, we we've got. I mean. Killer yeah, special, special effects. effects. We've got the memorable deaths. We've got the homage to the blood test scene from The Thing. And if you don't know what that is, go watch The Thing. I'm not going to spoil that. Watch, watch that it. Watch movie. it. Watch it. Watch uh, it. You know, I mean, it's it's a yeah. So it's that's very, a good one. It's, it's it's kind of a very unique movie. It's different than all the other ones. It's different from all the other ones. It's unique in its own way from that or it in that. It feels more like a teen movie. But it also borrows so much from, you know, the the, the 1950s horror movies. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it was. It was, long story short, watch, watch The it. Faculty. Watch it. And The Thing. The yeah. Thing. With Kurt Russell, you not the other one. You don't Kurt need Russell. to watch those ones on Halloween, though. Watch the thing on Halloween. Watch the thing on Halloween. Kurt Russell. <laughs> okay, so uh, the very last one that um, is usually included on these that I'm not going to talk about in, de- in depth at all because I will do, uh, it will come up in future episodes, but is The Craft. Um, I will have a whole episode coming later on Witchcraft in the 90s. Um, I don't actually count this as a horror movie. I know there's some horror elements to it, but um, I, you know, like I said, it's a very famous 90s movie about a coven of high school witches. Um, 
the arrival of Sarah, spelled the same way as my name, um, is the fourth witch representing the fourth element of earth, fire, air, and water, and the complete completion of what which is called the circle. And then therefore their spells are more potent and more powerful. Um, and that's good um, until they start to get too power hungry. And then um, the law, there's this thing in witchcraft, whatever you put out in the world comes back to you three times stronger and more intense, um, which is why you're always putting positive, loving energy out there, right? But anyway, they don't. They are using it for selfish reasons, for bad reasons, to harm others, to bind others, to curse and hex others. So they are... Um, they get that energy back three times and it's, it turns, yeah, everything turns a little sideways. So I will do an episode on that. I, I said I wasn't going to go into depth and I did because I just, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. I could talk about it for hours and I will. So clearly, clearly Eric has heard, Eric has seen it several times. 90s slasher movies. Yeah. So that's so why I'm not including it this week. Okay. Moving on. So th those are the movies. So I also wanted to talk really briefly, not too in too much detail, but I just wanted to mention um, the movie poster commonalities of all of these teen horror movies. So I actually pulled them up. Um, I, ha I couldn't find any information, any other articles that have been written about them. So we're going to be kind of pioneers in this, uh, this topic. Um, Teen, 90s teen horror movie posters. So this particular, okay, so this this particular movie um, genre's posters had a lot in common. Um, instead of the unique and peculiar peculiar art that kind of decorated the covers of like the movie posters of like the thrillers and psychological thrillers and and you know all that Eric was talking about um, in that interim between the first wave and the second wave. Uh, these these really kind of these were definitely different. They stood out because and they stood out a little bit more flashy. Um, they were usually all really dark. And um, I say they had like some kind of element to the bad guy or villain. Like we're looking at Scream and, um, you know, the M is the pointy M because that's like it's, it's all graphic design stuff. But basically all of the characters, they, they actually instead of using the like flashy art, they did these uh, film. The, they spent spotlighted the biggest stars um, on the front in like some kind of a formation, like a V. And it was just dramatic portraits of the of them with some kind of like low key transparent background, usually all had some kind of um, some kind of scary catchphrase like this one scream Two. someone has taken their love of sequels one step too far. <laughs> oh, my God. See, we're talking. It's so meta about like sequels and yeah. Yeah, Scream just knew. <laughs> they knew what they Scream were. Scream knew what it was doing. But again, we have Wes Craven helming yeah. Scream. I don't know if anybody really. No knows, one else. Like, how many it. people really remember that? Like no one else. Wes Craven, the horror master, reinvented horror. In it was the a 90s. rebirth. Like, it was a renaissance and a rebirth. Who could do it but him? No, yeah. And then so continuing on the movie posters here. So we have Final Destination, another one. See, it's also dark. I'm going to post all these to our Instagram so you guys can see it. Um, but this one also is a dark background with like the five characters with Devin Sawa in the front and like the skull in the back, like transparent skull. Um, I don't see a line or anything on here. No, but you see, they're they're very similar. Yeah, they're all very similar. It's all very, very similar. Intense, very intense. Very intense, like weird lighted, spotlighted pictures on the main cast. Just very intense. No smiles. Just 
So yeah, and just like in a horror movie, I mean the formula really, and we're looking at Urban Legend too. It's the same kind of deal. The formula to these covers is you have to have the overall color has to be dark. You have to have these intensely illuminated portraits with very somber, stoic faces of the four to six main stars, and you have to have some. Most of them have some kind of catchphrase. I still know what you did last summer's is some secrets will haunt you forever. And then some element that also shows the bad guy, murderer, scary thing, villain, whatever. So I mean, that's the formula. The thing about it, like all these movie posters are goosebumps book covers. They really are. That's oh my really God. Yeah. What they are. You know, just tied in with, you know, what you're talking about, you know, the other, the other episode was, <laughs> you know, you look at, you know, each one of these was slasher nineties slasher movie posters and they all look like they could have been goosebumps books. I mean, that was yeah. what we grew up looking at and watching. I mean, even, even looking at, you know, the Halloween H201. I mean, it's got the five main characters <laughs> with the spotlight and the stoic faces and it's got the, the kitschy phrase on there and it's got like this weird foreshadowing of the killer lurking in the background. I mean, they're yeah. all the same. I mean, but it, but it, it it's powerful. I mean, it, it, it it works. I, I think mean, they're. Su- I think they're super rad. Like looking at them all together like this. I can't wait to post these pictures, you guys. You have. You have to go check it out. Okay, so we want to talk legacy in terms of movies that came after it. Very briefly, Eric mentioned the scary movie series that was a kind of a spoof on um, a lot of a mashup of a lot of the um, teen horror movies that we covered in this episode. But it was more of like um, making fun of it. It was all comedic there was nothing there was like you know gore and whatever to it but it was all fake and it was more it was 100 percent about the comedy and not at all about the actual scariness yeah i mean the the scary movie franchise is obviously just for shits and gigs i mean that's that's like not, not another team movie but yeah i mean the scary movie franchise you know it, it just parodied that and stuff you know i mean final destination series you know went on to become you know that was a kind huge of one. kind of prolific in its Five own way. Movies. I mean, like a lot of people might think it's silly, but you know, at the end of the day, like thinking about the concept and the the themes of those movies, like that's terrifying. I mean, yeah. I, I still think those hold up to this day. I mean, you know, we have the the reboot of the Texas Chainsaw yeah. Massacre in two thousand three. I mean, we have even two thousand four. Uh, Zack Snyder even doing uh, Dawn of the Dead again and. The one particular movie that I feel carries on that legacy of that campiness, self-awareness, meta influence. One of my favorite movies of all time. Um, of, you know, carries on all the tropes in a very fun, uh, unique, terrifying way. Drum roll. Cabin in the Woods. Cabin uh, in the Woods. Seriously, one of my favorite oh my movies of all time. Yeah, that, that movie is absolutely phenomenal. I Don't, remember. No, we can't say anything. You can't. You, you just watch it not even knowing anything about it. If you've never seen it. Yeah. All I'm going to say is. uh, If you've never seen it, don't research it. Just watch it. The first time I ever watched that movie, uh, my buddy had a, this is 10 years ago at this point, I guess shortly after it came out, uh, my buddy had a a TV set up in his garage with an Xbox and we sat out there on a hot summer day and we watched Cabin in the Woods and I knew nothing about it. That's the biggest blessing. Blew my mind. Yeah, the biggest blessing Watch is that watching that movie without knowing anything about it. Don't yep. ask any anyone. Don't look it up. Literally, when you pull it up on your Amazon Prime or wherever you get your movie, don't even look at the description. Just turn it on. Yeah, don't watch the trailer. Don't, don't watch. The don't do anything. Just, just watch it. As Aerosmith would say from the '90s, just push play. 
<laughs> oh God. This is my husband, everybody. Steven Tyler, Joe Perry. <laughs> I got you, boys. So, um, I, so that was Cabin in the Woods. My special segment this week, I am doing a would you rather, but don't look at him. Close your eyes. Okay. I'm going to ask Eric three, four, four would you rather questions. Oh, no. Okay. Number one, would you rather be on a plane with Alex from Final Destination or a car with Freddie Prince Jr. from I Know What You Did Last Summer? I'm gonna go with Devin Sawa. Okay, all right, okay. All right, don't look, don't look at this. Would you rather be at the Dance with the Offspring plane or have the yes, whole- Yes, always, I don't even need to hear the question. Dance <laughs> or... with the Offspring, whatever it is. <laughs> Dance with the Offspring, next Well, question. okay, the next part of that was, or have the whole school to yourself after everyone leaves for the Yosemite trip on Halloween H2O. No, Dance with the Offspring. All right, okay, I don't- <laughs> Always. I, I think both of them sound pretty sweet. No, pick the Offspring, okay. always. So would you rather star in the original or in the sequel of any of these franchises? Original. Which one? Which would you star in? Halloween H2O. I would love to be Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character in Oh Halloween yeah, we forgot to even mention him. He was in the, he, he was, he, Oh, get this. He was the Drew Barrymore of Halloween oh H2O. Oh, my God. Huge child actor. That this was had to right be after, one of like, his... 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, totally. Third Wrap from the Sun. Th this had to be, like, right when he was becoming so big, just like Josh Hartnett. So to, like, have somebody like Joseph Gordon-Levitt, just like Drew Barrymore in the first Scream movie, to be so big yeah. and up and coming, just, sorry, spoiler alert, to die within the first seven minutes of that movie. Oh, I would love to have that epic death as being, like, the first epic death of a serial killer in the movie. Oh my God, let Freddie kill me. Let Jason kill me. Let Michael Myers kill me. Like, let Jennifer Love Hewitt and Buffy the Vampire Slayer kill me. Like, I'm there, I'm down. All right, well, that was it for Would You Rathers. What would you rather? I would rather be in the car with Freddie Prince Jr. I would rather be at the Dance with the Offspring and I'd rather star in the original um, Scream would be the one I'd want to star in. I would love to be in the original screen. That would be really fun. Thanks for joining me, hubby. I of guess course. I guess I'll keep you. Damn. <laughs> He's pretty cute too. I mean, seriously, we these this conversation is pretty much like a typical conversation we have every night of the week, usually about something or another, politics, movies, music, design. It's really, this is what we do. And you know, Eric will be back. He'll be a very um, regular guest and he actually is going to be doing um, a guest host. What do we call it? Ghost hosting. Ghost hosting. He's uh, gonna be a ghost host. Space ghost, coast yeah. to coast. You know, just like uh, <laughs> oh that cartoon. I'm even gonna wear the costume. Um, so next week I'm by myself for the last week of October and my favorite, favorite, favorite pre-Halloween topic. Um, so thank you, Hubby. Um, please vote, everyone. Make sure you check all of your registration state guidelines, all that, all that very important stuff. Make sure you vote. Make sure your, vo your voice is heard. And um, let's, we're in this together. Let's look out for each other. Um, vote, vote, vote. Exactly. Vote a million times. Yep, vote. Eric and I Eric and I dropped off our ballots, uh, I think a week ago. Yes, tomorrow, today, a week ago today. So please do it, do it, do it, do it. It's, it's, you know, there's guides. There's lots, lots of information out there. You can Google it. Go to imavoter.com is a great place to get information as well. So make sure you are also follow, following us on social media. TTTH pod on Twitter. Talk to the hand pod on Instagram. Our website is talktothehandpod.com. You can email me at talktothehandpod at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. What was your favorite 90s teen horror movie? What was your favorite cast? 
or what was your favorite um, bad guy or killer or whatever. Yeah. So let us know. What did you watch? Keep us posted. Yeah, we want to hear. We want to hear. So again, TTTH pod on Twitter, talk to the hand pod on Instagram, talk to the hand pod.com. You can email me at talk to the hand pod at gmail.com. And until next week, thank you so much. Hubby, hubby will be back. Eric will be back. Um, He will be ghost hosting. And um, until we see you again, and I will see you next week for my Halloween topic. Be excellent to each other. Party on, dudes. <laughs>